Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck. On a Monday, really good lunch crowd here. Bar is filled. Of course, everybody probably wants to watch the NFL recap shows because there were a ton of good games on yesterday. The Commanders were off as they got embarrassed on Thursday by the Dallas Cowboys, which led to Jack Del Rio losing his job. You can always call in 833-804-0910, or you can tweet me at 910thefan at AWOD Radio. James tweets me, Stubb, it's not a good one. He says, sorry to hear about your laptop. May want to try some local pawn shops around the Orlando airport. That piece of machinery is gone. Yeah, kind of. I kind of feel that way. I mean, look, my birthday is at the end of December. I, I guess I know what I need for my birthday now. A brand new laptop because I lost it in Orlando. The best trip of my life was too good to be true. That's, that's where we're at today on a Monday, November 27th. But it is 1 p.m. here on AWOD Radio, which means it's time for the Richmond Commander. It's time for the Richmond Commander. Are you ready for some The phones are open. It's your chance to be the quarterback of this segment. There's something I like to say. Every day at 1 p.m. on AWOD Radio, the Richmond Commander. So today on the Richmond Commander, we want to honor the late, great Sean Taylor. One of the best that ever played 16 years ago today. We lost Sean way too soon. I'll take you back to the day that it happened. I was, I want to say, in seventh grade, and I was in school, stayed after school, do a little homework, and I was in uh, whatever homeroom was back then, and my buddy Luke walks into the classroom screaming at the teacher, I need to put on the TV, give me a laptop, I need to find out what's going on with my safety. I'm like, what do you mean? What's going on? I knew he was a Skins fan. I had no clue what was going on. They told me that Sean Taylor had been shot and was fighting for his life. And, uh, I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday, really. Whew, it was such a tragedy. So tragic. One of the greatest safeties to ever play. One of my favorite players. The hard hits, uh, the intensity, the block field goal return after, uh, against the Cowboys. I mean, the craziest thing is I think Sean Taylor was so athletic he might still be playing in the NFL right now, right? I mean, I get it. He was uh, along the lines of Ed Reed and Troy Polamalu, and they all have, have played and now retired. But it's just hard to think about what Sean Taylor could have become if he had stayed alive and uh, was not tragically murdered because, my goodness, he was getting better and better and better. And I feel like at the time he passed away, he had not fully reached his prime. And we're talking about a guy here that was – improving on the defensive side of the ball. I, I almost feel like he was such an athlete. You could have had like a Deion Sanders or Champ Bailey situation where they kind of give him the ball at uh, wide receiver or punt returns or something like that because it was just so hard to stop him once he got his hands on it. And when you had your hands on it, he was going to hit you so hard that it jarred it loose. I mean, my favorite memories of Sean Taylor, of course, have to include the – Pro Bowl in which the punter tried to go for it, 
faked a punt, ran around the corner, and Sean Taylor lit his ass up. I mean, just completely knocked him down. The punter ran over to shake Sean Taylor's hand, but it was just the greatest highlight in a Pro Bowl game. Um, I remember he picked off Brett Favre on one of Brett Favre's uh, last games in the NFL. Picked him off twice, I think, last games with a Green Bay Packer. And uh, just so many great memories of Sean Taylor. And so we mentioned it. The Commanders put out a one of the brightest talents to ever wear the burgundy and gold 16 years ago today. We lost Sean Taylor far too soon. And NFL Network also, NFL Films, posted a piece on Sean Taylor featuring Joe Gibbs. Let's roll the tape. What a big guy for safety. I think he loved that part of it, but it was more than just a big head. He had unusual instincts for where the ball was going to be. I remember we were at Philadelphia. We had to win the game to get in the playoffs. And all of a sudden, late in the game, there goes the ball flying around. Who comes up with it? Sean. It's loose on the ground. He had a knack for just big plays. He dives in for the touchdown Redskins. Every game he'd do something to let you know that he wasn't from this planet and all of us were. Feel great we in Florida. Can't get no better. It's not a big game. It's just a game. And off to Williams. Hit on the line of scrimmage and take it down. Fumble on the play. The Redskins say they've got it. That was probably one of the best games that you see the playmaker in him and you see the nastiness in him. Thanks to NFL Films for that audio. I mean, I'm just getting goosebumps. Sean Taylor, April 1st, 1983 to November 27th. 2007, one of the greatest safeties to ever play in the NFL. I mean, man, loved watching him play so much, man. He brought the hammer. When you when I played Madden, I always wanted to use Sean Taylor as a safety, even if I you know, was drafting my own team or playing as my own character. You had to have Sean Taylor on your team. And you know, the statistics really don't show how good he was, but in 2006, he played all 16 games, had 111 tackles, three forced fumbles. He had six interceptions, or excuse me, uh, three interceptions, six pass deflections, and uh, it was just if you caught the ball in the middle of the field, watch out. You knew Sean Taylor was going to be around, and one of my favorite memories was playing against the Cowboys when they had Terrell Owens. And Sean hit him so hard across the middle, one play, that in the third quarter, T.O. had no one around him, but he was in the middle of the field, and he just dropped the ball because you could tell he heard footsteps. He knew Sean Taylor was going to be hunting him down. So we wanted to remember the late, great Sean Taylor here today on the Richmond Commander. I mean, what do you think, Stubb? I think this is a much better category than talking about Jack Del Rio being fired once again as Sean Taylor was second-team All-Pro in 2007, two-time Pro Bowler 06 and 07. Of course, he was All-Rookie in 2004. He is one of the 
greatest Washington Redskins of all time. He's in the ring of fame. Number 21 has been retired. We won't talk about that stupid statue that they've hung up at FedEx Field because I'm hoping that they can fix that. That was just the Dan Snyder era. And we won't talk about the fact that when they honored Sean Taylor at a game, they took a photo of his entire family in front of the porter potties because that, too, was just a product of the Dan Snyder era. But, man, 305 tackles, 12 interceptions for his career, eight forced fumbles, two sacks. Uh, I, I don't see this, his stats here on touchdowns, but I know he got into the end zone uh, several times, including in big games and big moments. So we honor you here, Sean Taylor, on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. May you rest in peace. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. It's 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. Turn down your radio and call AWOD, 833-804-0910. As the Rams failed to defeat Iowa State, couldn't take down Boise State, finally beat a state school yesterday, getting past Penn State, 86-74. to Really impressive stuff, especially putting 40 on Penn State in both halves, 46 in the first, 40 in the second. Uh, Coach Rhodes and, and Penn State came up with the Happy Valley Havoc sign uh, just to play three bad defensive games in Orlando. And really, that's my biggest takeaway is the Rams go 1-2, and two, but they won the game that matters. Penn State now goes home 0-3 after starting the season 4-0. And so I do think the win will spark uh, this team here as they now play a few home games over the next few weeks from the Siegel Center. If you want to chime in, 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. Stubb, who do we got on the phone lines here? We got Bobby from Richmond, although he's in Bo- Orlando right now. Oh, nice. Bobby, you're on the fan with AWOD. Adam, what's going on, man? Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate yeah, it. Man. Yeah, man. What did you think of the tournament as a whole? Uh, it's a great tournament. They do a good job down here at Disney. I'll tell you, man, I, it, was, it was tough to get that matchup with Penn State. Like most Ram fans, I thought maybe we'd wait till next year or the year after to see him. But it was an emotionally charged game. And, I mean, with the depleted roster and the guys really worked their tails off. But that was so much fun to see. And I just wanted to point out seeing Fats Billups smile that way and really just play the game and enjoy himself, that was the coolest moment for me as a Rams fan to see. He really had the game of his career, but, but he was just enjoying himself felt like that weight was lifted off his shoulders. So I was impressed overall. Tough win, three games in four days, but uh, a lot of fun overall, and great to see the Rams get that victory on Sunday. Bobby, do you think I'm exaggerating when I say that this was one of the biggest wins for the program in the last five years? I mean, I just think if you go to Orlando and you lose all three games and you lose to your former coach, it's gonna, it might not affect the team, but it's going to destroy the fan base. Yeah, it would have been – it's it's tough to say. I mean, these tournaments, there's so much going into it, going on with it. We know we're, you know, injured and we have the roster depletion and it's just getting that matchup on Sunday. I think a lot of Ram fans looked at each other and said, all right, well, here we go uh, sooner than we thought. But it, it was definitely emotionally charged. And, and I think, you know, coming away one and two, losing those two games so close and as tight as they were, I, 
I don't know. I don't really want to think about what it would have been on the other side, but I'm so glad we got that win. And it really did. You come away one and two, and, and I'm, I got a smile on my face. You know, if they beat Penn State with a great coach and two players who we missed, but um, but they had to fight for it, and they did. So it, it really impressed me. That was a dog fight, and they, uh, you know, they came out on top and couldn't be happier. Yeah, and not only did they have to fight past Coach Rhodes and Penn State, they had to battle against Mickey, Minnie, and Goofy, uh, who were refing that game. I mean, I couldn't believe some of those calls. Like, Fats Billups' goaltend was not a goaltend. Uh, how many times did Penn State go to the basket and Christian Furman drum straight up in the air and they call a foul? The amount of fouls, the amount of stop and starts in the game, that could have screwed over a lot of teams, but VCU was able to fight through all that. Yeah, they did. We made free throws, too, it seemed. I mean, all tournament yeah. long. I, it was it was impressive. It was kind of funny. I mean, Tech and uh, FAU didn't have much of a warm-up. They had to keep the TV times going, but that first half of the Tech game seemed to fly by compared to our game with all the fouls and clock stoppage time, but you know what I mean? They, when you have Ace Baldwin on another team staring down at you with all the emotions behind it, it makes you a little nervous. He's such a competitor and a great player, but we found a way to stop him. I mean, we locked him up, and uh, and we made plays. And when you have an X-Factor like Fats Billups, who we know from Richmond has you know, had the career that he's had, you were just waiting for that breakout game. And it was impressive and pretty cool to see us do that against Penn State. So, again, you know, one and two is tough, but Having that win, I think that's a catalyst moving forward. I think you see uh, some momentum build, and I'm looking forward to Norfolk State on Friday. Yeah, no, good point. Bobby, let me ask you this, because I had a listener uh, tweet me this question at AWAD Radio, A-W-A-D-D-R-A-D-I-O. It's a good question. I'll read it on air. Did you notice that Michael Bell, who played 37 minutes and 42 seconds, uh, basically the whole game, and didn't do too much offensively, did have seven points but nine rebounds, but did you notice that he was the one that was guarding Ace Baldwin for a lot of the second half? Absolutely. You talked about that and pointed that out yesterday. I mean, he for it's, it's funny because he's been in the lineup and putting in these minutes, and you kind of forget that he's a freshman. You forget that he's still kind of getting into the game a little bit and the speed and, and the physicality. But that's such a good thing. To have a player like him is, is uh, you know, it, it's, it's a luxury. And uh, he might not bring the scoring every night, but cutting and locking up Ace Baldwin and kind of slowing him down to have a freshman do that is really impressive. So, like I said, I mean, you, you see these younger guys, at least in my opinion, you see them all stepping up and getting a win like this and the smile on their faces. I, I think, you know, I think that there's some belief there, and, and uh, I think it's going to build momentum moving forward. So I'm, I'm yeah. impressed and I'm happy. I mean, as a Ram fan, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, I'm really excited for the next game and ready to see what they can do. Yeah, no good point, man. Good call, Bobby. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Adam. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910. The fan, if you want to chime in, 833-804-0910. Remember, the Rams played Sunday's game without redshirt sophomore Jason Nelson, who sustained a right wrist sprain in VCU's game against Boise State as he was averaging 8.5 points off the bench, uh, had a few assists. He was really starting to heat up from the three-point line. And so I, I just love how one man down, another man steps up. And yesterday it was Fats Phillips who led VCU in scoring. And I, I said it earlier, I'm going to say it again. When the Rams have a third scorer, watch out. That's when they've been at their best this season. Is it going to be Barstow when he returns from injury? Is it going to be Fats Billups? Can he now be consi- a consistent third scorer? Could it be Michael Bell, who looks so good defensively and with rebounding, but his offensive game isn't quite there yet? 
Or maybe it's one of the big guys, Toby Luol or Christian Furman. Both of them have already had their career highs earlier this season. As the Rams return home to the Seagull Center to face off against Norfolk State Friday, December 1st at 7 p.m. And you can hear that game right here on the new Sports Radio 910. The Fan with an extended pregame show, 45 minutes live from the Commonwealth Room. And uh, I, I will say, meeting some fans in Orlando, everyone seems to be loving the extended pregame show live from the Commonwealth Room. It's, it gives fans an opportunity to hear about the matchup, why they you know drink some beers and have some good food. And uh, it, it's just awesome to be able to do that. I know that when I was in school, it was Mike Litos, who, one of the greatest uh, uh, VCU color analysts alongside Robbie Robinson, still does a lot of great stuff on, on social media and writing with statistics and, and breaking down the VCU points, uh, scoring leaders and all that stuff. So uh, being able to do what Litos did for a long time very successfully has been a ton of fun, and I'm glad to be working with VCU Athletics' Robbie Robinson and Rodney Ashby. Uh, after the game, it was pretty cool. I took Robbie's microphone, ran to go interview Coach Rhodes, and then you heard that clip of me interviewing our former head coach on the post-game show. So we've got a lot still to get to on the show today. We haven't talked much commanders here on the home in Richmond for the commanders. We did the Richmond commander, but David Harrison who covers Washington for Sports Illustrated, will join us after this quick commercial break. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. You're listening to AWOD Broadcasting Live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck. Come on by, grab a beer, and check out the show. Take an extended lunch break on a Monday. You deserve it. Welcome back. What up, what up, what up? It's AWOD here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan Now. At 105.1 FM, phone lines are open, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. Joining us right now, though, on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, covers the Washington Commanders for Sports Illustrated. It's David Harrison. What's going on, David? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. As a local guy that covers this team is it frustrating to you to see national reporters, because I saw ESPN and NFL Network both questioning, will Ron Rivera be in charge next season? The answer is yes. I mean, no. I mean, it's like so obvious. Does it frustrate you at all that people are still questioning that? Uh, I mean, not really, just because, I mean, the, I think the further away you get from the hub, like that's just, you know, it's something that I've, I've come to come to kind of just accept, I guess. You know, it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, all through all through the off season, you know, a, a lot of a lot of national guys were were kind of saying, you know, Ron Rivera is insane for going with the fifth round quarterback in his second year in the NFL with minimal starting experience. But that was it. Like at least local guys who didn't like the idea, because there were certainly local guys that didn't like the idea. But there were there were there were some 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 reasons behind it, right? There was some kind of like quantifiable uh, opinions being presented. It wasn't just oh, I have a fifth round pick and that's that's never going to work. It was you know, well, I've not, I haven't seen this, or I don't have faith in that, and and that's you know, I think that's just that's just what comes with, you know, the closer you get to the product, uh, the the more insightful you're going to be, and and yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, it it just kind of comes with the territory, I think. So the next question is, who would you like to be the next head coach of the Washington Commanders? <laughs> 
That's, I mean, that's, that's a very difficult question because at the same time, like, you, you know, covering, uh, you know, the Washington Commanders, like this is only my second year on ground. I've been writing and talking about them for three seasons now, two years now, you know, physically there present on a, on a regular basis. Uh, but I also covered the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and have been on ground with them, uh, you know, over the years, you know, starting with, with Jameis Winston's rookie season. And I'll tell you, like, I don't, you know, we, we love to look at the X's and O's and like, oh, this guy's offense is, is putting up prolific points and this guy's defense is, is stopping people at a historic rate. And that's all great, but I, you know, I think that if you really look through the history of things, like some of your best offensive coordinators, defense coordinators in NFL history are not your, your best head coaches because head coaching, uh, it, it has, I don't want to say little to do with X's and O's, but it doesn't have as much to do with X's and O's as I think a lot of us uh, believe it does. It's, it's much more about leadership and your ability to, uh, you know, to, to quote kind of militaristic leadership standards to provide purpose, direction, motivation. And, you know, the X's and O's can certainly help do that by giving you that direction and that purpose. But purpose isn't just where you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to cover a guy. Purpose is, is more of a, of a, you know, you can call it spiritual if you want to, but it's more of a, of a mental state of mind than it is uh, an assignment. You know what I mean? And, and how, how you evaluate that by, you know, watching, uh, I don't know, the Detroit Lions offense, because I know he, their coordinator is kind of a hot name right now. Like, I can't yeah. watch the Detroit Lions offense and say, man, that coordinator is a great leader and motivator of men, because it's just, you know, that, that's really hard to, to, to see on the Fox broadcast. So it, I'm going to have opinions, obviously, and I'm going to do the best I can just to kind of, you know, see what uh, see what is out there. But, you know, it, that's a really hard decision that, you know, if, if, if what we expect to happen happens, Josh Harris, uh, and, and whoever he helps enlist him to make those decisions, it's it's really hard to to evaluate. I think. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the offensive coordinator in Detroit. I mean, that offense is looking really good. I've heard the Houston mm-hmm. offensive coordinator thrown out there as well uh, because of the success of C.J. Stroud. But we have an impressive yeah. offense coordinator already on the staff. Is it safe to say that Eric Bieniemy will at least be given an interview after the season? I mean, yeah. I, I mean, honestly, in, in a way, he's getting an interview right now. You know, like you go back to that assistant head coach title um, and, and him kind of setting the practice schedule and kind of setting the pace of the organizational, you know, the daily calendar and all that stuff. And, and you know, obviously with a young quarterback and, and an offense that's improving, like he's, he's getting an interview, you know, on the job. And that's really the kind of the best interview. Like if, if you can't, you know, if you're, if you're a head coaching candidate and you can't convince your ownership um, that you – uh, are you know potentially the man for the job with uh, a year to really you know kind of influence them? Um, then then it, it may not just it may, it may just not be the job for you. If I'm if I'm another owner in the NFL, in fact, um, and this thing kind of comes apart at the seams, and Josh Harris doesn't give Eric Bieniemy the opportunity to to interview for the head coaching position, I kind of uh, that kind of gives me pause as to why uh, that's not happening. And I'm sure I'm sure inside the inner circles they kind of communicate more than we we understand that they do, and that would be known, but. Yeah, I think I think Eric Bieniemy has earned the opportunity uh, to officially interview for the job. Um, I think this offense has done really well. The development of Sam Howell shows that Eric Bieniemy at least has the ability to teach and reach uh, a young player without a lot of experience, and 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 I think that's that's important. I would, you know, if I was if I was Mr. Harris or, or you know if he goes with a firm to help him in the search or whatever he decides to do, I would talk to my leaders. I would talk to Sam, Terry, uh, some of my other veteran players, and, and just kind of get the vibe that they. Uh, what they think, but also the vibe of the defensive players who don't necessarily sit in meetings with him on a, on a daily basis, but certainly are around him uh, and certainly just kind of see, are they willing to, you know, lockstep behind him 
uh, and next to him because that's really, like I said, what, it, what it's going to take is is that locker room buying into who EB is as a leader less than, than what he is as a, as a schematics guy. David Harrison with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Check out his work, social media, dharrison82, covering the Commanders, also host of Locked on Commanders. All right, David, I'm going to do what I shouldn't do because I know I'm, I'm just going to piss myself off here, but I want to go back to that Thanksgiving massacre, 45-10, to 10, yeah. the Dallas Cowboys win. I mean, they just blow past Washington, 25 points in the fourth quarter. But can you point to one or two positives, a bright spot for Washington in the 35-point defeat? Um, I mean, one thing I really liked out of it was the usage of Curtis Samuel. Um, and, and obviously the production is nice. You know, the stat line looks good. But I went back and I actually watched every single route that he ran in that game. And he ran 29 routes. And uh, I don't have the math sitting in front of me right now. But if, if I remember correctly, of the 29 routes that he run, uh, I ran, I know over 70% of the time he was open. And, and mm. you know, that's that's not to say, like, hey, Sam Howell, you know, if, if Curtis Samuel is running a route, he should be your primary Read, but what you like to see in a guy who, uh, like we're honest, most people, if you ask them, you know, describe Curtis Samuel, they're going to kind of describe him almost as this like Swiss Army knife, but also limit him at the same time into what he's really capable of doing and and charting his routes that he ran. He ran over a dozen different route combinations uh, in that game, so it shows that Curtis Samuel. You know, we know he's got the short hair, quickness, the athleticism, all that stuff, but he really does have. Uh, kind of an expansive skill set that that any NFL offense would be uh, would be lucky to have on the field, and and his ability, like I said, to to kind of be open, be available for his quarterback is is really impressive. And um, I don't think Curtis would ever be the kind of guy to kind of go back to the line of scrimmage, you know, twenty seven, twenty six times a, a game and say, "Hey, bro, I was open. Hey, bro, I was open." Um, and that's kind of what makes him a good locker room guy too, is he's not you know focused on himself, but. I think I hope anyway that you know looking back on the tape, and I think that part of the reason we see him getting uh, more involved when he is healthy uh, in the offense is they look at the tape and they say, man, like this dude is is getting some favorable matchups and he's taking advantage of them. Uh, I mean, we saw him running the slot, the perimeter, running you know uh, routes out of the backfield. Um, and the, the great thing about it is his route his route tree is short, it's intermediate, and it's also deep. So he, he's someone that I think as as Sam gets more comfortable in his role as an NFL quarterback. Uh, the offensive line, if it can give him a little bit more time to be able to kind of browse uh, the defense and the more he and EB get to work together. I think Curtis's role, uh, if this offense is intact next year, is from a, from a schematic standpoint because EB is still here. Um, I actually, he, Curtis was a guy that I really kind of thought probably would not be on this roster next year. Um, but I really, yeah. at this point, I'm, I'm really hoping that they find a way to keep him. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting because – you know, Dotson's under contract, right? Samuel's really playing well. Terry's got the bag, yeah. and everyone kind of wants Washington to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. I just don't know if there's room in that <laughs> wide receiver locker room uh, for him, yeah. even though he might be the most talented guy of all of them. Uh, we know Ian Rappaport seems to be a mouthpiece for Ron Rivera all the time. He says with Ron mm-hmm. Rivera taking on a bigger role in defense play calling, he goes back to his roots, and the team should benefit. Tell me why, yeah. David. I don't think the defense will get any better with Ron Rivera calling plays. You know, it's, it's interesting because you know there, there's there's a, there's a lot of sides to that conversation. And what I did is I went back. I know a lot of people are looking back at like 2019 season to see how his defense did, but I went back to 2018 and in the midst of a loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Week 13 of that season, um, Ron Rivera took control of the defense, which is highly unorthodox to do that in the middle of a game and say, you're no longer calling the plays. I'm calling the plays to a defense coordinator, but that's what he did. And 
you know, that game notwithstanding the next game, you know, it wasn't like this, like, drastic, uh, this, this drastic improvement in, in play and all that stuff from the Carolina Panthers defense. But just looking at some of the trend differences, and I think that's really kind of where you look at it. Um, he, he kind of diversified the, the defensive formation usage a little bit. He went to more of a zone uh, uh, use. He went to a higher zone usage, I should say, than what they were doing previously. And when you look at that defense, that's kind of what fit them the most. Like their number one cornerback at the time was Dante Jackson. He was a little bit of a, a, a thinner frame, smaller guy, not as physical, but a very smart football player. Um, so, you know, putting him in zone allows him to play free, but also use his IQ to his advantage. Um, that's exactly what he needs to kind of do. When you look at the commander's defense, like we always look at it and say, you know, zone match and, and all these things. You look at the debacle that was William Jackson because he's a man cover corner coming into a high zone uh, usage scheme. Well, this season, they've they've actually, under Jack Rio have gradually grown into more of a man cover team than they have in the years past. And I, and I wonder if, you know, we hear Ron Rivera talk about there's just some things philosophically that he – believes differently than what they were doing if that's kind of what he's talking about also the blitz percentage went up that year in 2018 when ron took over um you know despite the increase in zone coverage and i think that the idea behind that is give the quarterback less time give the quarterback less of a of an of an angle to, to look at the ball because you know the, the more pressure you put on a quarterback the more their eye line has to come down below the horizon line and when you look at an offense like miami's with tyreek hill and jalen waddle to a by Loa wants to keep his his eyes above that horizon line as much as possible. So if you can get any kind of pressure on him, bring those eyes down, force him to make quicker decisions. Now your DBs that are in zone with their eyes on the quarterback, they have a little bit of an advantage because they can see everything the quarterback is seeing, um, and they don't have the opportunity to get those blown coverages and and have guys you know miss their miss their assignments. So I think that's kind of maybe what we might see is a return to more zone, uh, hopefully a little bit more pressure through some blitz packages, maybe some three-man uh, fronts that give them the opportunity to, to mix up where the pressure is coming from. And that's, if that happens, then your young guys like Emmanuel Forbes, if he's back out there, Percy Butler, those guys will have uh, hope in theory, right? It, that's, that's the theory, and we'll see how it actually works in execution. But the theory is that they won't have to stay in coverage as long, and you know, Dolphins receivers won't have as much opportunity to clear zones and take advantage of, of where guys are getting pulled left and right. And, and you know, so that's what we saw when, when Carolina – uh, when Ron made the same decision in Carolina, um, that's, you know, 2018, this is 2023. He has certainly developed more as a coach in his, his philosophy. So we'll see if that translates directly to the field because he's certainly not going to tell us, which he shouldn't. Um, <laughs> but if that happens, you know, then then certainly you can see the defense perform better. The problem is statistically because you're playing the one of, you know, the, the second best offense statistically in the National Football League this year, it may not actually matter in the stat box, like the stat box could actually look worse, but functionally your defense could actually play better. And that's, that's, that's the irony of it, or that will be the irony of it. But you know, it, that's where you got to break down the tape and, and kind of look at it from that, that angle. But at the end of the day, we all know like really what matters is the wins and losses. Nobody's going to care if you lose 45 to 10 to the Dolphins and come out and say, yeah, but the defense did better this week. Okay. It's not going to matter because it's still a 45 to 10 loss. Yeah, that's David Harrison, and that was a great breakdown, David, and you're right. You know, I I hope the defense can improve for momentum for next season, but it might be better for this team to just lose as all the action on Sunday led to the Commanders currently having the fifth overall pick in next year's NFL draft. David, great stuff, man. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio on the fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Third and six. At the Washington 34, Prescott back, terrific protection. Going 
deep to the middle. Ferguson all alone. Sorry, Turpin. Turpin all alone in the end zone. That was easy. 34 to Turpin on the touchdown. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. That was the call on 105.3, the fan in Dallas of one of the four Dak Prescott touchdown passes en route to a 45-10 butt-whooping of the Washington Commanders. Normally every year I say wins and losses, record doesn't matter as long as we beat the Cowboys, but for the first time in my lifetime, I wasn't interested in watching, watching the team play the Cowboys, and I was actually rooting for us to lose because I wanted Ron Rivera to be fired. On Friday, we woke up to the news that it was Jack Del Rio that lost his job. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. Earlier today on the Junkies that you can hear right here on 910 The Fan or on the free Odyssey app, they threw it out there. How do you feel about Eric Bieniemy? The commander's offense is ranked 14th in yardage and 21st in points per game, but it is much improved from last season, and he's working with the rookie quarterback in Sam Howell. 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910 if you want to chime in, or you can tweet me at AWOD Radio or at 910thefan. Stubb, looks like we got a caller on the line. Who we got on the line right now? We got D. Woods on the line. We got D. Woods once again. What's going on, D? Hey, what's going on, AWOD? How's everything? Glad to see you made it back from Orlando in one piece. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I didn't want to get back into this game here uh, with the Cowboys and the Commanders because it was such a butt whooping. Uh, but we got yeah. embarrassed to the point that Josh Harris had to make a move and he chose to fire Jack Del Rio. How do you feel about that? You know, I kind of think that they're using Jack Del Rio as a scapegoat here. Now, now, the, 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 the defensive back coach, uh, who, whose name I can't pronounce, he Chris Harris, right? To be fired. Oh, Ven- Venables or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, I've never seen – I mean, I've been rooting for this team since I was, you know, I can remember five, six years old. I, I don't yeah, how long is that? How long, how long has that been? <laughs> uh, so oh, I'm, I'm 41 now, 35 years. Yeah, 35 wow. years or so, rooting for this team, right? And um, it's, it's, I've never seen so many explosive plays uh, given up the way that they happened uh, on Thanksgiving. It was disgusting and embarrassing to watch. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you, man. But my whole thing is I didn't even want to watch the game. I was hoping we got blown out. We got blown out, but Ron Rivera kept his job, and I just hate it. You know, I had the idea last week to just fire him, bring him in or anyone as an interim coach. Chris Cooley, Daryl Green, Fred Smoot. It doesn't matter. I just don't want to root for this team anymore with Ron Rivera in charge. Do you understand that? Yeah, but who else are you going to root for? You're going to root for you're going to root for the Ravens. You're going to stop watching. You're going to watch. It doesn't matter who the coach is. You're still going to be uh, checking it out every Sunday. Uh, so you know, we just we got we got to take some solace in knowing it's only a few more weeks. Awad, he's gone. Uh, I think I think the report came out, if I'm not mistaken, this morning that that Josh Harris will, will wait, but he has no intention to bring him on back. So you take yeah. solace in that. 
Well, no, I, I'm, I, it's the one thing that Josh Harris has done that I completely disagree with because the Panthers just fired their coach. Uh, several other teams have fired their coaching, including the Vegas Raiders, who have better records than Washington. And I, I get the argument he doesn't want to turn in into a circus. You just lost by 35 points on Thanksgiving. That's a circus. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they, they were eating turkey legs on us on right. national te- television. I don't even – Never seen that happen before. By the way, where was, where was the penalty for the turkey leg celebration, right? No, can't use props anymore, but they, would, they, they sure enough let uh, Dak take and eat a turkey leg all the way to the, uh, to the sideline. It was disgusting. Yeah. No, I'm so upset about that, man. Uh, give me some of your other thoughts here on the 45-10 to 10 defeat or maybe just Jack Del Rio losing his job. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I think that, like I said before, you, they had to have a scapegoat. I don't necessarily know if Jack Del Rio. I mean, the, the defense has played poorly this year, but it is it is enough blame uh, uh, pie to go around. Uh, Sam Howell keeps throwing interceptions. You know, I, I turned the corner on. I might be turning back. Uh, he keeps taking sacks. We gotta we gotta find out something in the next few weeks. Uh, I know we all believe he's our quarterback of the future. I think we're just going into uh, an eval time here with the with the commanders where we have to evaluate every person at every position and see who who's going to be on this team next year. No, I, I totally agree with you, and that includes the wide receivers because, you know, I, I would love Marvin Harrison Jr. and uh, as good as Terry McLaurin, uh, has been in a commander's uniform. He just not hasn't. He just hasn't been the same this season. Um, Jahan Dotson, man, it, it looks like that was a kind of a wasted first round pick with his inconsistency. Uh, so you're right, though. It is all about evaluating the team. So let me hear where you're at right now with your Sam Howell eval because the Commanders have the fifth overall pick right now. A couple more losses, we could be in Drake May or Caleb Williams territory. Ooh, see ya. It, 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 maybe if we have the chance of getting Caleb, uh, I, I say, I say, thanks for Caleb, but but not. I don't know about Drake May. We already have a, 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 a average North Carolina quarterback, a UNC quarterback. <laughs> let's not let's not go two for two. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Uh, any any other final thoughts you wanted to throw out here? No, no fine, no 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 funny witty uh, final thoughts uh, other than. Uh, I love what you're doing down there and look forward to talking every Monday. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for chiming in. Phone lines are open 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. Uh, real quickly, I just wanted to go through some of the standings in the NFL because it, it, it is wild how uh, things have changed here to the point that that wild card spot was open for a long time in the NFC, and I kind of thought, oh, the commanders are going to grab it, but now – uh, it, it doesn't seem like they have an opportunity. It, it doesn't. It seems like you know Packers have a chance, Saints have a chance, Falcons might have a chance, but it looks likely it's going to be the Minnesota Vikings, and that's the game you can watch tonight: the Vikings against the Chicago Bears. And can't think of a better place in town to check out the game than Capital Ale House. They own the late night late night menu. Uh, it's the best way to watch Sunday or Monday night football. And, um, you know, of course, I love broadcasting here on Mondays. Burgers are amazing. The wings are awesome. The fries. Uh, love me the broccolini. I know I'm, I'm like the only one that's obsessed with the vegetables. But, uh, I mean, it's like just buttery goodness here at Cap Ale. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM.